All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a, another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. We're in, uh, we're well into season five now, huh, Jen? Yeah. Um, and let's not dawdle on introductions then. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Adam Smith, with Just Tips Coaching. And with me, pretty much as always, is even in poor health conditions, is our marketing director, Jen Weibor. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Adam. And has a little bit of a cold, so you guys bear with her. Particularly those of you watching the video cast, as uh, she looks okay, she just sounds like shit. And we've got a really cool guest for you guys today, a repeat guest, although we've been doing this show for so many years now, and it evolves over time, that uh, it's a very, very different format for us. Obviously, if we revamp our format every three, six, 12, even 24 months, then everybody's kind of getting a new experience as a listener, as a uh, watcher, and certainly as a guest when we do have repeat guests. Not that that's all that common, but welcome to a very different episode of How I Met Your Mortgage, Nick Bukowski. Hey guys, thank you for having me on uh, again. So appreciate it. Good to yeah, see you. Yeah, no, we're ecstatic to have you on again. Um, the the real problem with uh, the demand for the guests that we want on the show repeatedly is the popularity of the show. We get so booked out. Where are you at now, Jen? April or May of twenty. 20- Three. May of 23. May of 23. Yep. Uh, so, you know, 14 months out, it's just hard to get everybody back in that we would want to get in. So, yeah, believe you me, Nick, we are as excited to have you here um, as uh, you are to be here. Um, so, Nick, obviously, you know about our format. You know what Just the Tips focuses on. Um, I think that our audience probably knows that if we're going to have a real estate agent on, especially somebody local, local-ish, and I should uh, put out there for our audience that you are a real estate agent in Colorado, um, that we've done some vetting. Our guests produce results. They close transactions. They built great teams. They do the things that we expect our audiences seeking us out for input on. And obviously, we want to get it from as many resources as we can. But I really think that we're kind of living, well, we're certainly living in different times than the last time we had you on the show, which was pre-pandemic, probably even long before anybody knew that a common cold was a coronavirus because we just didn't know these things until science opened our eyes to a lot of weird stuff in the last couple of years. Um, So your business has changed. Your team has changed. The environment has changed. And I think one of the things we talked about that really struck a chord with me before we went live was kind of a general sky is falling sort of attitude amongst our brethren, other real estate agents, other mortgage originators, car salespeople, on and on. And granted, business has changed. There's been an impact. They're all dynamic industries. You have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to adjust. But woe is me, there's no inventory. And woe is me, the mortgage rates are up. And woe is me, these people want to buy a car that I can't get on the lot for a year, whatever the case may be. And I think... You've got some really solid input, some really solid ideas on how we avoid the negativity, how we remain positive, how we remain professional, how we remain productive. And a lot of it ties back to some of the core basics. Good, consistent, constant work, good relationships, these kinds of things. So 
yeah, if you would enlighten us as to what makes Nick and Nick's team so successful when the vast majority of these industries are, you know, literally crying in their beers about that there isn't anything to sell, there isn't anything to buy, there isn't anything to finance, whatever the case may be. Yeah, well, thanks for for setting it up so nicely for us. Um, I, I think people in general, it's easier to oftentimes point out the negative facets of, of anything, whether that's a, a relationship, uh, a marriage or a, a team that you're on or whatever, right? Human nature is often to draw out the negative or focus on the negative. So I think what we're seeing is just human nature. But with that, um, I think to be successful, um, at least the experiences that I've had with my team specifically, is behind every successful team or agent or lender, there's a foundational relationship mindset that they have. Um, and that would be from their team or their family or the people they surround themselves with. You know, as you know, we are all professionals and our own subject matter experts in lending or real estate or appraisers or inspectors. We all have to stay in our own sandbox, so to speak. But by surrounding yourself with people that can cross over a little bit and help each other out, uh, that is going to help grow the business. And again, going back to the foundation of relationships, uh, that's what me and my team focus on is the relationships with people. Um, I think too often in the real estate industry, people are focused on the next sale or keeping my pipeline full and they get overwhelmed with the intricate details rather than just focusing on building relationships with people, not for self gain or self promotion, but truly because you want to help people out. Um, and I think so to, to kind of tie this all together and I'll throw it back to you is having having a relationship driven mind that's your why right we talk simon sinek the the golden circle and at the core of that is your why if at the core is of of your why is relationships that is going to be key to your success moving forward because people don't want to work with an agent who they can clearly see that they're just trying to make a quick dollar or a mortgage lender who isn't going to follow up after the transaction truly building relationships with your clients is key um, just a quick example of this, uh, I, I had a listing in Johnstown. So I work in Northern Colorado, had a listing that was coming soon in, jo in the Johnstown area. Uh, it was off market. I had my listing agreement signed. We were set to do photos the next week. And one of my team members called me, Hey, I have these, so I'm going to keep bringing up the term relationships. My team member called me, right? We have a good relationship. We can be open and raw and honest with each other. Man, I'm just super frustrated. I can't get my buyers under contract. Every time we go to make an offer, there's 10 offers and you know the whole story, right? And they've, they've made four other offers and they're just getting super discouraged and their lease is up and we're up against, uh, up against the clock and all this other stuff that goes along with kind of what you had previously mentioned. And Again, being relationship driven, he I was like, well, I actually have this listing in Johnstown coming up. I just met the, the seller. Uh, I didn't have an established relationship with him. We hit it off really well. I asked him, hey, can you let these people into your house real quick today? And we got it all scheduled out. And uh, we're actually set to close in a few weeks on an off market deal uh, for more than what we were originally going to go to market with. We have a seller who's super happy because he's getting more than what we thought we would get for it, uh, while also taking care of the buyers and having them 
purchase an off-market deal without all the competition and everybody wins. So I think um, having relationships that are not zero-sum games all the time too is also a, a critical factor. Well, I think the idea behind all of it has, we've got to steer away from zero-sum games. It, it's, well, I, I say it over and over and over, but this, your real estate career, whoever you are, your mortgage career, whoever you are, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, that's, you know, part of it is that we get caught up in these finite details and it makes it difficult to look at the bigger picture. But if you, and I, I don't need to make it any clearer that Nick obviously has some, you know, Zig Ziglar shit on his mind or in the back of his mind all the time. We have this abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset. Then, yeah, you keep doing what you need to be doing. You keep building relationships. You uh, keep focusing on being constant and consistent in all your activities. And it works out. Things happen when we try to narrow that focus down to where am I going to find my next buyer? Where am I going to find my next borrower? Then we kind of lose sight of the big picture. We can't see the forest through the trees and things get more difficult. They certainly get more stressful. And we get into this, and I don't have to tell you this, I'm sure, because you probably witnessed it with real estate agents throughout your entire career. We get so hyper-focused on a single transaction or a single commission, which I just abhor, that we lose sight of the fact that there are 10 other people out there right now that need our help. Yeah, or, or people that, you're exactly right, or people that who you've already helped and you need to maintain that relationship and follow up, not because they're going to give you a, a referral or anything like that, but because it's the right thing to do and you're just servicing your clients after the close. The lenders and the agents who, once the, the closing table is finished, signatures are on paper, you get your paycheck. So many of them check out. And I think that's, that's again, foundational is maintaining relationships rather than always worrying about keeping your pipeline full, keep your family or your client base that you've already established, keep them happy, check in with them. And you'll be amazed at what that does. I mean, um, I don't know how it is for your business, Adam. Um, but I would say 95% of our business, truly 95%, uh, is all referral based. We, because we are relational driven, we don't like to just get cold, cold calls all the time because we don't have an established relationship with that person. Although when that does happen, it happens rather quickly, but all of our business is referral based. Um, and that's because we take care of people after closing and we keep in touch and you, we truly, truly care about people. Um, and I think that comes out in the mortgage industry and real estate on who the agents or lenders are that are just in it for themselves to make money and who is in it for the right reasons. I think that's true. And I think you'll find that as we go through these cycles, and we're probably going to, where real estate agents get out of the business, mortgage originators get out of the business, the ones that have kind of gone through those highs and lows, those roller coasters, the loop-de-loops, and are still here, kind of have that mindset. But again, like, you know, Zig would have said, help as many people get what they want and you're going to get what you want. Yep, it's really exactly. not a, a complicated uh, scenario that way. But I do think the 
even this needle that we're talking about moving from, you know, let's call it zero into the green of, um, and they're just very different business models. I'm not going to give too hard a time to the, 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 the rocket mortgage. And there's one here in Colorado that advertises they've even had John Elway and Peyton Manning as spokespeople. Um, I can't remember the name of the company. Um, and they, you know, flaunt a lot of things that, frankly are true of every loan originator in the country. So it's not really um, something unique or special to them, but it's a different model for them. It's a numbers game. So be it, you know, we're just kind of red stamp, green stamp as we're moving through the processes of potential buyers, potential borrowers. And I think just having a relationship business is a little different. I don't want to chase internet leads. That sounds absolutely freaking horrible to me. And I do live in a very similar environment. Our mortgage, uh, Practice is strictly repeat and referral. And the vast majority, I don't think it's 95%, but probably 80 is repeat clients and client referrals. Now, granted, we get business uh, referred to us from real estate agents, financial planners, divorce attorneys. We all know the standard uh, referral partner relationships that exist in these types of industries. Although uh, getting outside that box is another discussion for another uh, time for sure. Um, Nobody thinks about wedding planners. Talk about being involved when the psychological trigger of buying and selling homes right. is occurring. Why aren't you people chasing wedding planners as referral partners? God, come on. Okay. Again, another subject for another time. Um, but there's a, the needle is moving in the opposite direction in a lot of cases right now. I still think that there's, while there's definitely a vast difference between the let's buy internet leads, let's run TV ads, let's run radio ads, let's pay Peyton Manning to be our spokesperson, whatever. And what having a relationship business, a strict repeat and referral business looks like. But on the opposite side of that spectrum, now we're starting to see people unintentionally, I hope it's unintentionally, um, steering business away you know like this example they're making it public it's not just you and a colleague discussing the fact that these clients cannot get under contract on home to buy they're making it public these people have offered on 40 homes they can't get an offer accepted the market's all screwed up there's no inventory here look at the denver stats we've got three homes for sale right now whatever the case may be and what we don't realize subconsciously is that we're driving a really negative issue where people are going to give up. Okay. I, obviously, it's impossible to buy a house. I'm not even going to try. Yep. Obviously, it's impossible to get that car that I want. I'm not even going to try. Whoa, mortgage rates are up. Ah, it's obviously not possible to refinance. I'm not even going to try. And I think we're actually watching that needle slip into a negative space more than we have in the past. Yep. Not, it's, it's just driving me up a wall. It's very frustrating. Yeah, well, I, I think going back to the beginning of, you know, typically being negative in nature about this kind of stuff, um, you know, people being responsive versus reactive, uh, the reaction or the reactive piece is, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. Rates are going up. I can't afford to live in Colorado anymore because the prices are ridiculous. And I even if I could, I can't get under contract. That's a re reaction versus a response. The response is, OK. Let's get our ducks in a row, make sure I'm surrounded with a good team of lenders and agents and inspectors, and we'll, we'll figure out a way to make this happen. If I have experts on my side, we'll figure out a way to make it happen and have a plan lined out for that rather than being reactive to the situation. And I think that's that's the problem that you're seeing with a lot of people and agents, too. 
um, from a realtor's perspective, you know, be, be forecasting in one step ahead of the game rather than always being reactive to the market. How can we get different programs lined out with different lenders and network business to business to come up with unique programs for first responders or teachers or military or whoever, right? How can we get some programs lined out ahead of time, knowing that interest rates are going up? Um, as an example, uh, I just partnered with a, a different lender on um, some first responder stuff. Uh, our team is comprised of, of first responders in one way or the other. And uh, we're, as agents, we're offering to pay the inspection for our buyers. The lender's offering to pay the appraisal for the buyers. So again, getting creative and being a resource for people rather than being reactive to the situation. Now we're saving $1,000 for our buyers on paying for their inspection and their appraisal. And you know that's one little piece that's off their plate that they have to stress or worry about financially. Let's let's even take that to another level. And again, this is a, another subject for another time kind of environment. And we could talk about it for hours. Jen and I are heavily active in the non-QM, non-qualified mortgage space. We help shape what those conferences look like. Uh, we speak at them. Um, I wish I had some input as to whether or not we were doing the Waldo or Fastoria in Dana Point this year. Very expensive. Uh, but neither here nor there. Now we're really looking at underserved markets, self-employed, foreign nationals, investors, all of these kinds of things where we don't have to provide proof of income. We can go off debt service ratios. We don't have to have social security numbers. We can use ITIN numbers. We're serving an enormous part of the, an underserved part of the population there. Um, bank statement loans, on and on, all of these kinds of things because I'm self-employed, but my taxes are pathetic. Not in particular, but, you know, I, I, I certainly encourage all of you to give the feds as little money as is necessary. Give them what the law requires. But if you're self-employed, you get to make a lot of breaks. But obviously, if you don't pay taxes on it, you can't qualify with it, or at least that used to be the case. So there are all kinds of ways for home buyers, for home owners, for, um, well, even in some cases, home sellers to start tapping into these kinds of unique, creative, thought out processes that people who really do treat their role in real estate as a career and not a job, as a marathon, not a sprint, are able to provide, are able to get themselves educated on so that they can share that knowledge, those kinds of things. And yeah, it's just... I don't even know how to describe it. I, I almost wanted to say, hey, just work hard. Yeah. And people don't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know it, it sounds cliche, but it's a matter of getting creative. Um, get creative and be a resource for people. And actually, that that's that's a really good point you brought up about all these different ways that you specifically can pre-approve people because it being an investor myself in real estate. Uh, you know, you're trying to get as many tax deductions as you can. So you're depreciating a property, you're writing off a bunch of expenses to offset that income that it's producing. And when you go to qualify for a loan on a new investment property on last year's taxes, it's not going to look like you were making money on your investment properties. You're probably in the in, in the red. And to have someone like you who gets creative and say, hey, we can do all these outside the box lending conditions, like you said, on bank statements or these other factors uh, on a on a TIN rather than on a social security number. Those are all 
very forecasting and um, response rather than reaction type type adjustments. And that's super cool. And I'd like to connect with you, honestly, after this uh, after this interview, it'd be cool to connect with you on that, too. So. All right. But only if it means I get to stay at the house in Georgia. You, you can stay at the house in Georgia. <laughs> I, I, yeah, all right. I, I don't know how many people know about this. And uh, Liz and I kind of uh, absorbed the same model. We've been uh, acquiring short-term rental properties that we hope to use in retirement. We do use them from time to time now. Um, but we've gotten very selfish about it. Are these places we want to hang out when we're older and rent out when we're not using them? Um, give us a little bit about that house in Georgia because it looks freaking spectacular. Oh, th thank you. Yeah. Um, so we, not to get into the, the personal side of things. No, and I'm going to have Jen post the link for your Airbnb. Okay, cool. Right. Thank you. Yeah. So we, um, again, going back to relationships, we have our own investment properties here. Um, Long-term rentals. We have uh, partnerships where we're uh, a part owner of some uh, larger multifamily deals here. And uh, we just last year, we were like, all right, just as again, uh, not being reactive, trying to forecast where the market's going. You know, we have a, a significant portfolio of long-term investment properties here in Colorado. We're like, let's branch out into the Airbnb market and diversify our portfolio because that's that's something just in a, if you look at your um, retirement portfolio, you're going to have less volatile, more stable funds. And you're also going to have a mix of, you know, uh, small cap, you know, high returns, but lots of volatility built into it. And that's something that people I think need to look at again in, in forecasting. Um, so we branched out to the Airbnb market, um, mostly the um, Smoky Mountains, uh, Tennessee and Georgia. So that uh, that one that you're referring to, my wife and I just closed on in December. And it, uh, I think we have three open nights in February and that was it. So it has, it has been like booked solid. Um, again, going back to the relationships piece, we have a property manager that we have a very good friendship with who manages from, from Colorado, out of state in Georgia and Tennessee. Um, again, relationships. We have people out of state who um, are reputable cleaners, stagers, all of that stuff. And again, it, there's a common theme to this entire podcast here today. And um, it's being a resource for people and, and being relationship driven. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to, for any of the, the listeners out there, uh, I, I love this stuff and uh, I know what type of vehicle real estate is and what it's done in my life. And it gets me excited to talk to people. So um, I, for free, for I'll, I'll buy you guys, anyone coffee and, and go sit down and talk shop um, because uh, Airbnb, short-term rentals and long-term rentals is in my wheelhouse. I work with a lot of investors and I love just connecting with people and, and um, anyone who, uh, I'm, I don't know, Jen, if you'll have our info out there on the show, but um, feel free to get in contact with me anytime to chat about real estate investing. Oh, we will definitely put that out there. Don't you worry. And yeah, with the onset of real estate investor lending being so different that we're doing a ton of uh, debt service ratio loans based on actual market rent or fair market rent or uh, uh, Verbo Airbnb historic uh, uh, income generation, et cetera. Yeah, it's really attractive. In fact, I've even seen some recent products where it's still only 20% down. 
as is typical for an investment property, that will base the, uh, we don't use a debt to income ratio, we use a debt service ratio, make sure that the property can sustain its own debt. And if it can't, you probably wouldn't want to buy it anyway. So that's a no brainer. Um, and gosh, I even saw one as of late, I think it was 40 year fixed with 10 years interest only. Not to be, wow. yeah. 10 I mean, years fixed. Yeah. We're, we're getting really aggressive in the uh, investment. This has been a grossly underserved market for so long, certainly in the last 15 years since the qualified mortgage laws came about, since the last uh, recession, which a lot of it was caused by real estate, by mortgages, by Wall Street greed. Wall Street greed has a very short memory, uh, <laughs> about two seconds, in fact, if I uh, can... You know, you need an egg timer to figure out that. Um, so, yeah, these are really things that are unique and new and different and creative. And, yeah, depending on who you know, and I will certainly echo that owning investment property thousands of miles away is really not all that big a deal anymore. It's right. really not that difficult to manage, to maintain, to get cleaned on and on. And it's, yeah, I mean... Same MO if it happens to be five miles away or 500 miles away. But yeah, we live in such a global mobile network that it's really not all that big a deal anymore. Yeah, that's that's actually a, a good point. You see the mobile piece of it, right? Uh, that's We get a lot of questions on our Airbnb properties. How's the internet connection? Because I'm... Um, I'm going to be on vacation, but I'm still going to be working, right? Uh -huh. So of course. that's... um. It, if I could say there's one positive thing that's come out of the last couple of years of all this COVID stuff is uh, the flexibility that people have built into their jobs, which is cool. Getting family time in while still being productive in their job and the workforce, uh, being able to be mobile, Zoom videos and interviews and meetings. I think there's a lot of efficiency that has come from um, come from all this at home work. So um, but for Airbnbs, uh, uh, definitely that's a huge question that we get a lot is how's the internet connection because I want to be at work even though I'm out of vacation rental. So how is the internet connection? It's good. It's good. Okay. We, we've had some, we've had some hiccups, especially in the smoky mountains, but uh, again, getting connected with certain people definitely helps to, uh, to help the internet connection. We, one, one of ours is fairly rural. I yeah. think the highest speed provider is 10 megs. So you, when it gets to your device, it's about three. Yeah. So you can either get on your phone or watch TV, your choice, not both. Right. Pick one. Um, so I, not to plug Elon Musk, but I put in a Starlink system and it is phenomenal. And it does, you can be completely off grid and do it. Is that Georgia as well? Or where are you at? Oh yeah. Uh, this property is in the uh, wet mountain Valley, the Sangre de Cristos. Uh, okay. Southern Colorado. Okay, um, nice. But yeah, there it's satellites, so it doesn't care where you are. They're just hovering around in the sky anyway. For the, I think the equipment is about five hundred bucks. The service is a hundred bucks a month. The dish is phenomenal. It was easy to set up. The hardest part, because I had to get it away from a heavily wooded cabin, was digging a trench to put the cable in. Oh uh, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, I think I had like one small gardening shovel to work with when I did it. Um, and the dish, you can watch it move. It tracks the satellites all by itself. It's got a heater in it. So it never has snow on it. That is super um, cool. Yeah. It, and it's, uh, I'm on the slow side at 250 megs a second. Wow. Right. Versus yeah. the 
10 I was getting from, well, I won't uh, name specifics, but it rhymes with CenturyLink. Nice. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, night and day kind of difference. And, yes, I do agree that the pandemic brought on an awful lot of that, the ability to be remote. Uh, I think that made a shift in the real estate market as well. Um, I don't want to be in the urban area. The urban areas sucked at the peak of the pandemic. Yep. Um, but for the exact same money as a two-bedroom loft in downtown Denver, I can be on five acres out in Elizabeth, Colorado. I only have to drive to the office once or twice a week now, so I'm spending the same amount of time in the car. I may as well get a hell of a lot more bang for my buck out of my real estate dollars. Yep, exactly. I think that kind of shifted the face of real estate as well. So, yeah, it definitely brought on a lot of neat, interesting, unique socioeconomic kind of changes um, but yeah, I think that if like all of you, like everybody in any business, if you can pivot, if you can remain dynamic, cause industry is business is just don't get stagnant. Keep your eyes on the horizon, be aware of what's going to change. Then yeah, I think you can be successful. I think going to short-term rentals was a big part of that. Rent yep. moratorium. There were landlords that weren't getting their checks. They still had to pay their mortgage. Short-term rental investments. As soon as they check in, I get my money. Yep, exactly. Right? So, yeah, night and day differences there. Yes, Jen, I see you. I know. All right, Jen, <laughs> let's let's wrap it up. I know we're going to run over time. I don't care. This has been an awful lot of fun. And we will get Nick back on the show Hopefully before I collect social security. Hopefully before Jen collects social security. (laughs) Hopefully it's before my receding hairline keeps going back. I'll have to look at the last show we did. I was probably down here. Now it's here next time. (laughs) I I feel you. My my forehead's a five head. (laughs) We'll, we'll, We'll get Nick back on the show before it's a six head. Yeah, all right we can do that we can do that all right well thank you guys for having me um just in in closing real quick to uh lenders and people in the industry uh stay positive build your relationships for the right reasons and be a resource to your people and and you'll hit it out of the park every time yeah true all right jen take us home thanks guys are you healthy enough to take us home I don't know. We'll see. I'll I'll do the heavy lifting. All right. right. So if you want to find out more about just the tips, then text tips to 63566. It will literally tell you everything you could possibly want to know about us. Uh, You can get a copy of Adam's book, Just the Tips, which he was just holding up. You can book a free hour of coaching with us. Um, We are planning Social Media Day Denver, June 30th at Metro State University. So tickets will be on sale for that really soon. Um, and our sixth annual Mile High Mastermind for September 16th and 17th at the University of Denver. So you get info on both those events. If you're interested in speaking or you know someone who would be an amazing speaker, please contact me. Um, you can get all of our recent videos, basically everything, all the things, text the tips things. to 63566 for all of that. Um, Nick, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on the show again. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. And thank you, Jen. Hope you feel better soon. (laughs) Thank you. We'll see everybody next week for another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage.